You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 5. And as as you're aware, if you've been with us for several weeks now, we've been working through the book of Hebrews. And this is where we've been. The big summary of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater than all things and all people for all times. And... And that is a confrontation of, of so much of the things that we value in life and pursue. And this, and this letter is one of, from, a, from a pastor to a group of Christians who are, who are struggling. Uh, they're, being conf- they're conflicted and they're being confronted with lots of cares in the world. And this word is for us. So let's read uh, starting in verse... Uh, seven in chapter five. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. This is God's word. Well, here he's talking about spiritual maturity and growing up in the faith and the contrast between being spiritually immature and spiritually mature. And we all want to grow up. It's something that we desire to do. Healthy things grow. Uh, one of my favorite all-time movies growing up as a kid was the movie Big. Do you remember this? With the young Tom Hanks, this young actor kind of on the scene. He'd only done a couple movies at the time. It's a story of a 12-year-old boy who was ridiculed for being too short, too small, uh, too little, too young to ride this ride at the carnival, and he really wanted to impress this girl, and he was embarrassed and ridiculed, couldn't go on the ride, lost the girl, and so he goes around this carnival, puts the quarter in this wish-making machine. Do you remember the name of the machine? Zoltar. Yes, it's all coming back to you, right? He puts a quarter in there, and he makes a wish, and he says, I wish I were big. And the next day, he wakes up, if you know the story, he wakes up as a grown man, played by Tom Hanks. Much of the movie tells the story of this inexperienced 12-year-old boy in the life and experience of an adult man and the conflict that happens because of that. You can imagine the struggle, right? He doesn't know how to drive. He, he has to find a place to live in the city. He has to get a job. There's kind of an awkward, very awkward like office romance with a grown woman, but he's 12, uh, He's separated from his parents, his friends, his teammates, 
At school, he's lost the life that he loved, and now he's living as a grown man in an environment and in situations that are very foreign to him, and he can't handle it. You see, adults have adult responsibilities, and kids have kid responsibilities, and if you put a child in an adult situation, he or she's going to have a really hard time. It's going to be very difficult because he's not ready to face the challenges of adulthood because he's really just a child. He's not prepared. He hasn't grown. He doesn't have the experience or the capacity to do that. This movie is wildly successful, and I think it hits a chord with such a, a, a wide audience for this reason. I don't think any of us ever get beyond the desire to grow up, to grow in our life. None of us get beyond our desire to improve, to grow, to be mature. But growing is never as easy as we think it might be. When we were younger, we always wanted to be older. And now that we're older, we say, I wish I were 12 again. I wish I had those responsibilities. Now, looking at the exhortation from the author of Hebrews, he's saying a similar thing to these Christians uh, that are struggling. He says, it's hard to talk to you about the deep things of the gospel as if you are adults because you are really just children in your faith. He says, you're, you're immature, you're trapped in spiritual immaturity. But he says, you should be mature. You, you should be mature and you're really immature. You're not ready for the things that you need to be trained in. He says, by now you actually should all be teachers. You should be che- teaching these things. But you need to be taught yourself. And so he introduces this problem of spiritual maturity. A good diagnostic for all of us as we learn from God's word and sit under his teaching. And he continues in this letter of the greatness of Christ. He speaks of the specific challenges of the church, the problems of spiritual maturity. He talks about the, the cause of spiritual maturity. And finally, we're going to get to the cure for spiritual immaturity. Let's look at the problem. What is the problem? The author begins this, this new teaching, this new section of his teaching and says, I'd love to tell you more about the implications of the gospel and how it's lived out in our life, but you are, you're slow to learn. You're not there. I'd love to tell you how he's greater than all things and all people for all time, but it's hard to explain to you because you wouldn't understand. And it's important to realize why they wouldn't understand. The author here is not saying, you're not gonna understand because you lack uh, intellect. You're not going to understand because it's not because you lack experience or understanding or willpower, but it's due to the fact that you've stopped listening to God and it's made you dull in your heart. It has made you dull in hearing. The ears of your heart have gone dull and cold. One of the problems with spiritual maturity, immaturity is that we're often unaware of the fact that we're immature until somebody points it out to us. Consider like a, a chef's knife or a knife in the kitchen and you're just, you're just using this knife, you've used it for years and you don't really realize, I mean, it does the job, but you don't really realize that how dull it is until you go to somebody else's house and use their like really good like Japanese knife, right? And you're like, wow, my knives are horrible. You don't realize how bad your steak knives are until you go and have some really good steak knives at a really good steakhouse. This is how it is. You don't realize that it's dull. This is how it works with spiritual dullness. The word here literally means sluggish or lazy. And he says, you've become spiritually lazy. You've stopped investing actively in your growth and you've become sluggish. What's a slug? A slug is a 
like a a snail without a shell (laughs) that's just always behind, not able to keep up with the habit of applying their faith to their situation. These Christians have been at one point captivated by the gospel. They have been changed. They've actually, these are not new believers. Uh, we, We know that from the context of this letter. They've actually been in the church for quite some time, for many years. They, for a considerable amount of time, they've been Christians and they have drifted. When people initially come to Christ, they are passionate. They have this posture of ready to listen. Consider your time when, when you became a Christian. If you're a Christian, what was that like when you first believed? You probably had this posture of your heart before God that said, I'm all ears. Tell me anything and I will follow. My life is yours. Now think about that language, I'm all ears. What that means is my life is yours. Do with it what you please. Tell me and I will follow because everything you give to me is good. Everything you say is wise and I will follow and obey you because you are my savior and my life is hidden in you and I will go where you go. And now the author is saying, those ears that you have given to God are now closed. You've drifted. You've become dull of hearing. When the, when the newness and the excitement of our salvation dies down, so does our listening and our obedience. That is what we're being warned against. That's what these listeners are being warned against, that when the newness and excitement of following Jesus dies down, so does our obedience. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's a place of drifting. When uh, uh, here in this exhortation, it's a painful and somewhat ironic diagnostic for all of us. The author says, you should be a teacher of the word of God by now, but you still need someone to teach you the ABCs. Imagine someone who's been a plumber for 10 years and doesn't know how to fix a leak. Imagine uh, a school teacher that still can't recite the ABCs. Imagine an accountant who doesn't know how to balance the checkbook. Imagine an engineer who doesn't know the, the second law of thermodynamics. That was for my engineer friends out there. You know how long it took me to research engineer? What's it, what did engineers know? Um, <clears throat> now imagine a person who's been a Christian following Jesus for five years, 10 years, 25 years, 50 years, and doesn't know how to apply the word of God to their everyday situations. And not just to their situation, but able to teach others how to do the same. When he says some of you should be teachers, but you need to be taught, he's not saying some of you need to be pastors and preachers and missionaries. But Christians who listen to Christ, understand his word, learn from his word, grow in faith, and therefore able to instruct others in their faith. Being able to connect, here is how believing in the gospel transforms a life on a day-to-day basis. And if you have been a Christian for a considerable amount of time and are unable to do that, he's saying it's like, it's like any professional, anybody who has been in a profession for a long time that doesn't know how to do their, their work. There's no such thing as a, as a stagnant Christian. There's no such thing as a status quo Christian. You either have a drifting Christian or you have a growing Christian. We're not just there. We're not just stagnant. And so diagnose your own heart, your own listening, your own ears. 
Where are you today? Are you able to apply the good news of Christ? Are you able to apply the doctrines of Christ? Are you able to teach others? Or are you continually just hashing over the ABCs? It's interesting what the ABCs are. The ABCs, that we are sinners in need of God's grace. That the righteousness of Christ and Christ who died for our sins is the only basis of our salvation that Jesus was crucified and tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin, that he was buried, that he rose in triumph over sin, that he intercedes for us as our great high priest. He's, he's really mapped this out in the book of Hebrews so far. And he says, this are, these are just the basics. And we're still there. We need to move beyond that. Here's a question. Have I become hard to teach because I've become lazy in listening to the word of God? Do you, do you know the basics of what it means to be a Christian? Second is, have you become hard of hearing? Another question is, are you a learning Christian? Are you growing? Where are you today compared to a year ago, two years ago, five years ago? And so he wants us to assess, and there's somewhat, it's a painful thing to hear. He goes on and helps us in this. He doesn't leave us to this feeling of, of just shame or guilt or indictment. He wants to teach us and walk us through this. He talks about the cause so we can understand how this happens, the cause of spiritual immaturity. The reference in, in verse 13 is the clue needed to understand why, you know, why the members of this early church were spiritually immature. And it's found in the phrase, the word of righteousness. Verse 13, you know, he says, you need milk, not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So the phrase, the, the word of righteousness, was a technical term used in the early church quite often uh, to blend together two main disciplines of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And these two realities, these two disciplines of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus are this. One, Christian doctrine, knowing truths about Jesus and what he came to do, uh, knowing these truths. The second thing was Christian living. And so these two things that are inseparable in the life of a disciple of Jesus, knowing the truth and living the truth. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy, they call it. What do I believe and how does it transform my life? What do you think is harder to do? To believe doctrine or to live it out? Live it out, right? Of course, right? That's Exactly. To believe the doctrine of Christ is to believe that, that we're sinners in need of God's grace, that Jesus was tempted in every way yet without sin. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He rose uh, in victory for our salvation. He accepts us, invites us to the throne of grace where Hebrews tells us that we can receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. He is greater than all people and all things for all times. He upholds the universe, including your life and my life by the power of his word forever. And we are to walk with confidence in life, confronting every situation that we face with this reality, that we are his, he cares for us, he's called us to follow him. And it's really hard to do that. It is so easy to recite those truths, those basic truths. It is so difficult to then live it out in life, but those are, it's inseparable. Those two realities are inseparable in the life of a disciple of Jesus. To just believe the doctrine and not to live it out is a very dangerous and scary place to be. And that's why the author is confronting them in this. What the Bible calls those who just believe the basic truths and know their Bible and know these doctrines, 
yet fail to live them out, he calls them spiritually immature. There are some who are great theologians who know their Bible forwards and backwards, who can recite Bible verses, who are spiritually immature. When we fail to apply the truth of the gospel to our current struggle, to our current temptation, we are spiritually immature. And the imagery of the spiritually immature we are given is quite graphic. It's a grown man nursing at his mother. And sucking his thumb. And the cause of this is due to a failure to confess Christ, not in just our doctrine, but confess Christ through the obedience of our lives. So these Christians were not spiritually immature in a sense of not knowing theological insight. He, he, he even referenced that. He says, you know this. We keep going back to this. We keep going back to what God says. We keep going back to the gospel. We keep going back to, to what the truth is. The problem is something much deeper and actually quite simple, but so serious. They could no longer see how the gospel truths influence their daily lives and daily decisions. Their situations that they faced were this. They faced life-threatening persecution. They faced, often at times, they faced uh, death, the threat of death. And the writer of Hebrews says, stand firm, live out your faith, follow Jesus, even if it costs you your life. That's the mark of spiritual maturity, willing to give it all. And you and I are not likely to face that kind of daily temptation. What, what might that make us if we are, are not willing to, to live out our faith and the practical living out of our lives and decisions and obedience and following Jesus and standing firm in our faith? And the one who's called immature here is the one who says, I don't know if I'm willing to die and give my life for my faith. So this passage calls all who trust in Jesus, whatever situation that we're in, into a deeper level of maturity. Wherever you are this morning, God is calling you into a deeper level of maturity, a level of maturity that moves beyond intellectual belief in what God says into a faith that trusts in God, rests in God, lives out the days of our lives in full assurance that listening to God is always greater than listening to any other voice or closing our ears to God. This is the deeper place he desires to take us, where our ears are open, where our hearts are open to hear, to listen to his word and respond in faith. Anything else, anyone else is spiritually malnourished, spiritually immature, not growing, we're stunted in our growth. So the real call that he is, he's inviting us to is not something incredibly radical. It is, it is to connect what we believe with how we live, which is truly to believe it, genuinely. To open up our ears, to come to God's word, ready to hear what he has to say. Here we, he comes to the cure and ends on this really optimistic note, right? A, a note of help and help for us. There is this cure to spiritual immaturity for all who desire to grow in their faith. And it's found in 6.1. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. These are the basics, again, of the Christian faith, right? Repenting from sin, the sin of self-righteousness, 
trusting in faith in the work of Christ for us on the cross, the resurrection of Christ and his future return. So he lists some of these out. He's like, why do, we, why do we keep talking about this? The basics of faith. And he doesn't say, leave them. He doesn't say, he doesn't say leave the doctrines or forsake the elementary doctrine as, a, as, a, as meaning forget them, do away with them, abandon them. It's in a way of improve on them, move on from them, grow from them. Use these elementary truths that the grace of God saves us, accepts us, adopts us into his family that he cares for us and loves us and that the, the frenzy of spiritual activity that we have in our life in order to earn God's approval is, a, is fruitless for our salvation because he alone can save us. He says, okay, we've got that, right? That's the basics. Now, where do you go from here? Where do you trust him today? So he says, leave those elementary doctrines and go on, leave and go on, leave and go on. Drop what you're holding. It's like this picture of this traveler along a path and there's this burden he's carrying. It's like, leave that, move on from that and pick up something new. It's not just leaving the elementary doctrines, but it is picking up something new, embracing something new. What are we called to embrace? We are called to embrace actively, not passively, actively, a listening heart that responds to God in faith. We lay down spiritual laziness. We say, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to be active, involved in how I know, pursue, and trust in Jesus. And then to pick up that joyful burden of a deeper, more mature relationship with Jesus. That's where I want to go today. That's where I want to go this year. What, what goals, what hopes, what vision do you have for your relationship with God? Is it merely just knowing new facts and knowing new scripture? And, and memorizing, which are all wonderful things, right? These are elementary practices of the disciple of Jesus. To move on to that into maturity is to say, okay, what is he calling me to do in light of that? How do I treat my neighbor, my family? How do I treat the, 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 the person in front of me that's different from me? How do I uh, express grace to those that are hurt by? How do I live out my faith in my, my workplace and and in my leisure time, the desire to grow, like we saw in the movie Big, is, is the most natural thing in the world. We want to grow. And it's from this desire that he wants us to say, I don't want milk anymore. I want meat. But the meat is that deeper, more faithful, obedient relationship with Christ that applies the truths of God's word. Christianity 101 is just knowing what Jesus did for us, believing it in our hearts, receiving the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins, resting in his perfect righteousness for us. That's 101. We need to go on to AP Christianity. What's AP Christianity? Okay, so now go live it out. I think I'll just study more. (laughs) I think there's gotta be more doctrines I can memorize. There's gotta be more I can learn. We keep returning to that. You need to live it out. Advanced placement, Christianity. (laughs) We think that's something high and something special. The Bible just calls that discipleship. And so this invitation to us is to reflect deeply on the current condition of the ears of our heart. 
Have you become dull in hearing? What can we do to move on from the basics of Christianity? Think about when you listen to God's word preached by me, by anybody, by a podcast. Think about when you open up your Bible and you are in your private devotional quiet times at home. It's easy to think, that was a really good sermon, or that wasn't a very good sermon, or I really like the way they talk about that. I really like that. It's really easy to say that, but a better thought would be if we want to move on from the elementary basics and move on to advanced faithful Christianity, we need to start asking a different question. The question is, was I a good listener? Not, was that a good sermon, but am I a good listener? That was such a good sermon. Are you going to do anything about it? No, I just wanted to be your friend. (laughs) Are you a good listener? Are you going to take the truth of God and move on? Are you going to take the truth of God really resting in it? The expression of genuine faith is obedience. Was I available to hear God's word? Was I prepared to do what he is asking me to do? When you sit down with your Bible, are you coming to God's word prepared to listen? Of all the things that you seek to gain from your quiet times, is one of them a commitment to listen to what he has to say? Sometimes we come to his word evaluating and assessing and testing and wondering if we can fit that into our life somehow or if it makes sense to us and sometimes just intellectually absorbing the information. And don't get me wrong, I'm not asking you to bypass a thoughtful study of God's word to seek understanding. That is foundational, but it's not the end. The end all is not just to know These truths, the end all is to have a deeper communion with Jesus that comes from a faith that follows him. We should never approach God's word, whether at church or at home, with lazy, sluggish ears, but ears that are ready to hear and respond. And verse three simply closes like this. He says, and this we will do if God permits. Salvation, growth, maturity, repentance, even the opening of our ears to hear God and listen to him, it's all the result of God's enabling grace. This is not a call for us to say, now try harder, work harder, listen closer, do better. It is a call to be built up in faith, to respond with a passion for the love of God and to know him, all of which that comes from God's enabling power within us. The life of Christian obedience can be summed up in one phrase. We will do if God permits. Isn't that something? Lord willing, that's what this means. We will do this. I will, I will present my life to God and he will cause the fruit to be born. 
I will present my ears to God. I will present my life and myself, my desires, my passions. I will bring my temptations and my dreams. I will bring everything in my life, all of my pain and my struggle. And I will come before God and I will listen to him. And if he permits, he will change me from one degree of his grace to the next. And let me tell you this, if you know the rest of the Bible, he will permit. <laughs> this is actually the very thing that Jesus prays for the night that he, before he was crucified in John 17. He prays that this very thing would happen, that we would grow in deeper intimacy with God by knowing his word. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Let them know the truths of who you are and what I came to do. Let them know the grace that's been poured out for them. Let them live out their lives in faithfulness and obedience. God, do all these things so that they know you as intimately as I know you. And when Jesus prays, Jesus gets what he prays for. We hear this in this passage that Jesus cried out with loud cries. And he was heard. He was heard. God hears Jesus. God hears the prayers of his faithful son. And he prays for us that this would be true. And so this isn't this crossing our fingers like I hope God does this. It is one that is hopeful, one is that is, is, is bolstered up with faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, knowing that God has called us to a life with him that is more mature than where we are right now. But he says he's faithful to do that. And it's not because of our intellect. It's not because of our self-will. It's not because of our character or our record. It is because God is a promise-keeping God. So we come with open ears. We come to his word saying, am I going to be a good listener? It's so critical to remember that even our greatest desires and our intentions to grow are fruitless without the enabling power of God and his grace in our life. We must remember that matters of spiritual growth are never, never the result of sheer grit, never the result of the exertion of our self-will, but of the sovereign will and pleasure of God to do in us what is pleasing to him, and that is to make us more and more into the image of his son, Jesus, who is perfect. The Bible uses the word mature. So we are to go on to maturity. This is the key to spiritual maturity, it's not a formula. It's not a program to follow. It is Jesus himself who guides us in his truth, sustains us by his grace, and empowers us through his spirit to respond in faith to everything that he has said. When we work diligently to obey God's word, to have open ears, we don't obey as one seeking salvation through our obedience, but a way of enjoying deeper communion with him. So open up your ears. Listen to God. Walk in faith. Apply these truths to your lives, to your current struggles and your current fears. And you will move on from immaturity to maturity. And it will bring glory to God and joy in your heart.